Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome, Talking Terror fans, nationwide and worldwide. Once again, it's Wednesday, it's hump day, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Terror. We're back live, and this week we have the Demonic Dr. Dave's pick of Aperados. I do not put any flavor on it because I don't have any Latin flavor, but the American version is called Terrified, so that is what we're going to be talking about tonight, from 2018, a Shudder original, of all things. So we're going to be getting into that. Uh, if you're on the East Coast, like uh, myself and the monkey are, uh, yeah, we're feeling you right now with this cold. I mean, it is literally six degrees outside. I've never been so cold in my entire life. If you're on the West Coast, I envy you. Enjoy whatever warmth that you can get. But as always, I'm your old pal, the King Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. The ghoul of Geek Keith will not be joining us tonight. Uh, work and other things that are going on prevent him from being on, but we shall carry forth. As always, I am joined by the Mad Monkey himself, fresh out of the cage. It looks like he's out of tapioca. Monkey. Hello there, my fans. I'm your furry little horror co-host, the Mad Monkey, coming to you live in your ear from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. And just like the doc, I mean, just like the king said, to the rest of our horror family out there, but here in the northeastern part of the United States, it is a balmy six degrees out there, zero with the wind chill. So for all of our fans out there who love to come and flood our studio like a zombie apocalypse of fanboy love and lust, please don't. We know you love us, and we love you. But please, please, stay inside, stay warm, and let the smooth, sexy sounds of talking terror heat up your night. That's right. Sexy. That's how we're going to do it. And we are also joined by the demonic doctor whose pick it is tonight. On the West Coast, hopefully a little less chilly than we are. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Hey, Doc. Yeah, man. Uh, 75 and sunny, blue skies in my parts. Fucking oh, hell. you bastard. <laughs> but as opposed uh, you to know, zero. I will, say, I will say that the news that we're seeing out here, as far as the weather is concerned, is all very Chicago centric. Uh, how. How are you guys doing? Like, how is the weather truly uh, where you guys are? Well, I'm going to give it to the monkey first. Because he's outside yeah, smoking. Okay. That's a bad one. <laughs> no, I'm back in now. It's too, too bloody cold. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, dude, it's literally six degrees. And with the wind chill, it is zero. It is, like, colder than a witch's tit face down in the snow in a metal brawl. It is really, really is that, bad. Is that there. an actual thing? A, a witch's tit face down somewhere? Is that, like, a real... A real thing? I'd imagine so. You have to ask them. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. But it is definitely that much. I mean, it is so cold that I actually have no work tomorrow because they are not sending out any workers due to the windshield advisory because it's supposed to be negative 15 windshield tomorrow. So I actually Seriously? have a day off tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, so they are not sending anybody out. That's fantastic, man. So, yeah. Paid day off. I get to stay inside in the warmth and watch movies all day and then just go right into Friday. So, 
I'm kind of happy about that. So thank you, Winchell. Yeah, I don't. I would be happy about that too. Mm-hmm. So how have you been, Demonic Doctor? Oh, I've been just fine since the last that we've spoke. Excellent. Thank you for and, asking. Uh, thank you. Uh, your pick. So I'm excited about that. But uh, before we get into anything, uh, news earlier today, I posted on Talking Terror page. Dick Miller has passed away at the age of 90. Those of you might remember him from the Gremlins as Murray Futterman. Uh, that guy has yeah. been in everything. In the 80s, he was always showing up as a pizza man, as a garbage man, as a TV repair man. That's a, an iconic actor in his own right that manages to make uh, those little bit parts iconic. Uh, so I wanted to say that first. But what did you guys think about Dick Miller uh, as an actor? Ghoul? I mean, not Ghoul. I'm sorry. Doc? Well, <clears throat> I'm looking over... Uh, his filmography now and you know this is a guy who you know has been working for a a tremendously long time Mm -hmm. these 90 years and as I peruse his filmography I'm having trouble deciding if I feel like he's in more stuff than I thought he was or that I know him from or if he's in, or if I thought that he was in, uh, if he was in less stuff than I thought, um, you know, hmm. his filmography is tremendously extensive, and there are a lot of things. So look, I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But sometimes, but I also feel like maybe there should be more, even though he has like a billion credits to his to his list here. Yeah, there's so many, and so many '80s movies, like I said, where he just shows up, and you're like, oh that guy, hey, it's Dick Miller. He just shows up, and you know it's going to be a fun time. Uh, Monkey, what did you think about Dick Miller? Same thing, man. It's just, you know, growing up in the 80s and the 90s, he's just one of those actors that was always around. Um, just just like that Asian dude with the Fu Manchu that showed up in every action movie in the 80s. I don't know his name, but he's always there. Like He's mandatory for every action movie in the 80s. Um, but, but yeah, same thing with Dick Miller. It's, you know, he always had to have a part somewhere in the movies and TV shows that he grew up watching. Yeah, he was the everyman. Like he was just that guy. He's just the average Joe that would show up in those movies. I mean, one of my favorites is A Bucket of Blood from 1959. So if you guys ever want to check out Dick Miller in his early roles, great movie. But an artist, he's blood in his artwork, kind of like colored me blood red, but a little bit funnier. Uh, and then, of course, Gremlins, but he was in The Terminator, he was in The Burbs, he was in Piranha, The Howling, so yeah, it was always that he guy. He was chopping, he, he was in, uh, don't forget, he was in, uh, in uh, Chopping Mall, too. He was in Chopping Mall, that's right, yeah, so he just showed up everywhere in the 80s, you know, yeah, there was going to be an 80s movie, you guarantee that Dick Miller's probably going to show up. Yeah, and he was always that guy that would show up on screen, have that little line, but I'm pumped, you know, and then he'd be out. <laughs> yep, that's it. Paycheck, thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it was great. So, I mean, but he lived to the, the age of 90, so that's pretty impressive. But, uh, yeah, you know, there's plenty of movies that if you watch in the 80s, you've probably seen Dick Miller once or twice. And it's yeah, always been, did you oh, know, you were, just talking, you were just talking about his film, uh, 1959, Bucket of yeah. Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, his character in, in Bucket of Blood... 1959, Walter Paisley. Uh, that's the that's the same exact name of his character in Chopping Mall in 1985, Walter Paisley. Is that right? I didn't make that connection. Wow. That is that is <laughs> right. And 
I've never seen Bucket of Blood, and I just happened to notice that from looking uh, at his list here. And I did also uh, want you to – oh, his name was Arthur Walter Paisley in the segment that he was in in Twilight Zone, the movie. Uh, and it's a good life. He was the guy that ran the little restaurant where uh, little Anthony was playing the video game and uh, got oh, yeah. trouble. <laughs> that is right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah it's, but I did want guys. to just jump in and, and say that the actor that our monkey was talking about, his name is Al Leong. And uh, you would know him from some popular 80s bear as uh, Big Trouble in Little China, uh, The Perfect Weapon, Death Warrant, Lethal Weapon, They Live, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Die Hard, Action Jackson, and others. Yeah, wow. yeah, he was in a ton. He was like mandatory, like as like second worst bad guy in every Von Damme movie. You know, under Volo Young. You know that. <laughs> yeah, he was always he was like always an underling, never the main villain. Yeah. Right. Well, it, well, except for I think in the first Lethal Weapon movie, he was the main torturer in that one scene when they were torturing. Yeah, Danny but he Boy. was like an underling for Mister Joshua. You know, like his name was <laughs> yeah. Endo, and Endo was an ex- expert in extracting information, but he worked for Mister Joshua. You know, he was still an underling. He was their their torture expert, but he still was just a henchman. With a specialty. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, yeah. I want to say no, I no, think no. his my favorite my favorite role of his was in the movie the Kevin Bacon movie she's having a baby, and he's he, a he photographer is, he's having a baby with Kevin Kevin Bacon. Yeah, where he's a, a baby photographer in there, and you actually get to see him speak and lose his shit because nothing's going right on the photo shoot and stuff like that. It's just funny as shit to see this one guy that you know for action movies and just have him this small comedic role. <laughs> and wow. where where no. the worlds collide, uh, in a different segment though he he did also have a a part in Twilight Zone the movie along with Dick Miller. Oh well, there's that six degrees of separation. There you go. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. Um, but monkey, uh, you did have a bit of news that I wanted you to get to before we cut to the doc for a little while. Uh, the monkey about the upcoming night breed. Mo- yes, monkey has news. Because, oh, yes, we have an update on the Clyde Barker Nightbreed series. Um, things have been rolling along, it seems. Clyde Barker has gotten some shit going because uh, he not only does he have the Nightbreed series that has been in talks, he also has um, Books of Blood series that he's been working on as well. But the Nightbreed series, he says it's, um, his quote is, Nightbreed is moving forward at quite a rate with a couple of very well-known directors showing a great deal of interest. Um, I am on board to provide mythologies and ideas and hopefully put the Barconian weirdness on them at the material. At, at the moment, we're putting the team together. We have a writer. We have a director. We have producers. And now that the new year's just begun, we're all together and start the long-term narrative, not just opening narratives, which is what we've done so far. And he has a sense that if all things have been promised come true, there is a real passion for matching the tone to both the book and the film. Also, okay. uh, let's, so, you know, they're ready to go. Um, and Universal Cable and Morgan Creek Entertainment are both going to produce the series. This is the same production company that also produced the, tel- uh, the movie. And then the actual producers who produced the movie, the three producers who produced the movie, are also going to be producing the TV series. So okay. I'm excited so about like- this, man. 
Moving forward. So, so, All right. Yeah, so they've got writers, directors, and they got money coming in on the project. So hopefully they're going to get the ball rolling on this real soon. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Looking forward to it. I know that he also has a new book coming out called Deep Hill uh, that's still being written, but he's hoping to have it out hopefully by the end of the year. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, interesting uh, theory about Deep Hill that he has with his book. Uh, toning down a lot of the sexuality that's in his books and toning down the swearing, but still keeping it within that realm of Clive Barker. So I'm looking forward to seeing this Nightbreed series kick off, Books of Blood, uh, Deep Hill. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of Barker this year in 2019. So that's always exciting. Good to see that he's still working and still making things happen. Uh, so I, I know I have a couple things I wanted to talk about, but I'll hold off because I want to see what the doc has on the plate uh, for Hard Talk tonight. So I did have I did have the 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 news about this Nightbreed uh, series, uh, which mm. is, you know one of the small bits that I had for today that the monkey just. Uh, filled us in all about. Uh, did I, you know, did the monkey, did you mention that this is also something that's looking like it's going to be on sci-fi? No, I didn't know anything about that. It's, I know they were looking towards sci-fi, but nothing was nailed down. What do you have, Doc? Oh, uh, just that, uh, you know, sci-fi has kind of been the the place that the, the or the landing spot that's always kind of been, um, you know, what they've talked about, but apparently that mm-hmm. is or and apparently that is still the case. Oh, sweet. Okay. So sci-fi, uh, who usually cranks out, you know, more shit than you can possibly imagine, and by shit I'm referring to the quality of their programming, uh, <laughs> is seeming to get into this world of taking movie properties and optioning them as TV series, and they also... Uh, have a, a child's play series on the way. Uh, what? They're big, yeah, they have a, a child play series coming to sci-fi uh, based on the movie franchise. I know Chucky's in the news a lot these days with the with the upcoming child's play movie and everything, but sci-fi is in the Chucky business now as well. Uh, they are or they are bringing him to the small screen. Uh, it's expected that Bradley Dourif will be uh, handling uh, the Chucky business, and their big announcement, their big excitement about this was that uh, they are going to permit uh, Chucky's dialogue to be uncensored, uh, where Chucky can use as many F-words as he pleases. Oh, that's It's such huge news. Yeah. It's so exciting. Sci-fi, but yeah. I can hardly wait to, to never watch that. <laughs> I mean, I know I'll, I'll check it out at least once. Uh, but yeah, that's the series and, that we've talked about before on the show. That Don Mancini, you know, the creator of Child's Play, has been curating uh, while the MGM remake is on the way. Uh, but actually, now, like the doc had said, it now has a network. But they're also going to be having it be uncensored, which I think is a bold move on Sci-Fi's part. But I'd like to see how many F bombs uh, Chucky does drop. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really curious uh, if these things, with all the work that's going into them, are actually going to hit the screen because. Uh, yeah. If you remember, maybe six to eight months ago, we were talking about how Sci-Fi was putting together their their Tremors TV mm-hmm. series with with Kevin Bacon starring. Which, you know, Kevin Bacon has some star power, a little bit of star power behind his name still, but like Kevin Bacon's a pretty big name and 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 a pretty big link to the history of that series. 
which, you know, you can argue the, the, the various degrees of quality in, in all of the movies in the Tremor series, but uh, they ended up deciding not to go with it. Uh, you know, they only did put together their, their pilot episode, but it was anticipated that like this was going to be a, uh, or like the Nightbreed or whichever one it was going, going to be a, a 10 episode uh, series or season. And that didn't happen. So it'll be interesting to see if they can actually get these things onto the screen. Hmm. Okay. Where do you weigh on in this monkey with the uncensored uh, child play series? Sorry. Um, no, if they can actually pull off uncensored, then, you know, more to them because I do know that they do have some other shows that are, you know, gaining popularity. Yeah. Like the magicians is doing really, really well on sci-fi. Um, Deadly Class just started on Sci-Fi, which I'm enjoying. They're now into episode two. It's still fun. Um, it's got rave reviews going behind it, you know. And both of those have a decent amount of cussing in them, but they're not, you know, completely uncut. So I am curious how many f bombs, you know, Sci-Fi is going to let them drop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It depends on also the timeline, or not timeline, but like what time it's going to be on. I know a lot mm-hmm. of shows nowadays, they let the shit word go on a lot of networks. I mean, they figure it's at 10, 11 o'clock, the kids are in bed, you know, we can get away with saying some curse words. But, you know, the F one, I feel like that's still the bomb, like you had said. That's still the one, you know, that I feel like they don't want to allow on television. But I guess it depends on what time it's going to be on and, you know, who's going to be watching. But, you know, I'll check it yeah. out. I mean, I'm, you know, yeah. I like child's play. You know, I'd like to see what they do with it. Yeah, Are they still doing? Like, is there is there any news on the upcoming uh, third edition of the Sharktopus versus Tyranigator series on Sci-Fi? Oh, I'm sure they're making another one. I'm surprised that's not up to about 15 by now. The way that they crank those movies out. Yeah, especially because it's the same studio that put out all the Sharknado movies. So, well, on Two Lava, Two Rancher, along with Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. It came out a couple years ago. So yeah, you know they're not opposed to cranking out the creature features you know, on sci-fi. So who knows what we're going to be with that. Um, yeah, but, but they're okay, also so fun love pieces. <laughs> they are. Okay, so moving on. Doc, uh, what else is up for us? Uh, while we're talking about, uh, you know, different properties heading to the small screen, apparently CBS All Access has announced that uh, coming in 2020 with work beginning in the immediate future is a 10-episode uh, TV miniseries based on Stephen King's The Stand. What? Okay. They're doing a new one? Well, so they're doing a new one. Well, I mean, I guess it could work. Um, I guess CBS All Access is where it is, though, because I think that's where the Twilight Zone is headed, too, is CBS All Access, where you have to pay like 10 bucks a month for special programming, like the Star Trek so, series and, I guess, uh, Twilight Zone? The Twilight Zone series, you're saying that the, the upcoming Twilight Zone series is going to be part of a pay service? Yes, CBS All Access. You have to pay for that. That ties in. That, that's a, I feel like it's a bold move, man. Uh, I feel like that ties in a little bit to the conversation that we had last week about all of the different mm-hmm. streaming services. Um, yeah, my feelings about, you know, I mean, I don't even really know what my feelings are truly about this upcoming Jordan Peele Twilight Zone thing, but I feel that whatever my feelings were, they're like, uh, 
a little bit diminished knowing that this is going to be behind a paywall. Like I, I hadn't heard that. Um, yep. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, actually um, I posted an article today on the Facebook page talking to her uh, where they said that the CBS all access series twilight zone uh, is going to be dropping on April 1st with two new episodes followed every Thursday by a new episode, but it's only going to be available via CBS all access. So you actually have to pay $10 for the streaming service per month. Yes, uh, pay access instead of all access. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you would think so. And it's honestly turning a lot of people off. I was reading a lot of the comments on Bloody Disgusting where they said, "I'm not going to pay ten dollars a month just to watch Twilight." No, I, I, do. I, I, I There's really no, there's no, there's no more pay services that I'm adding. You know, like <laughs> I pay for Netflix and I pay for Prime and I use. Yeah the services of Amazon prime way more than I use the prime video. Uh, my wife and I both are, you know, we, we order a lot of shit from Amazon and uh, the, the free two day shipping and the sometimes one day shipping. If you order $35 worth of eligible items uh, is worth the 90 bucks a year, or the hundred bucks a year, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I use Amazon prime video. I watch shit on there. Uh, there are things I've picked from the show from there, but it's not, something that I regularly use. I use Netflix right. a little bit more, but I don't even use Netflix that much. I will, I, for one, uh, I'm not going to be adding more pay services. I don't know uh, if you could, um, you know, I feel like the only, uh, another pay service that I would add would be if I can pay X amount of money a month and like have access to pick any movie that I wanted in the history of movies. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, there I find that all, and I've never looked at the catalog on Hulu and whatnot, or any of the other ones aside from Netflix and Prime. But I feel that if I, I feel that both of them have a handful of decent movies, but the majority of stuff that's on there is shit. Uh, Netflix actually is killing it with the original content, as we talked about last week, and that yeah, makes yeah. me happy to pay because a lot of their original content that is top shelf is stuff that is in our universe, in our genre universe, and that's great. But, like, CBS All... I don't know that I'm... I'm I, well, I, I don't know. I do know. I'm not going to be paying for CBS All Access. Uh, sorry, Jordan Peele. Uh, if I feel that I want to watch your episodes of The Twilight Zone, I will have to do so uh, illegally. And I say that with shame, but I say it as the truth. And uh, I'm not adding another pay service just to watch a, re a remake of The Twilight Zone. That's just not going to happen for me. No. I'm, I'd be happy just to wait for the DVDs to come out. I'll buy the DVDs, but I'm not paying $10 a month. Something I'm going to cancel after The Twilight Zone's over. I mean, Monkey, where do you stand on it? Well, again, like both of you guys said, you know, we're circling back around to our conversation last week where, you know, how many paying streaming services are there going to be? You know, how many people are actually going to shell out for all of these streaming services, and how long are they actually going to last? Because I'm just mm -hmm. going to reiterate what I said last week of, you know, again, everyone's jumping onto this thing because they want to have their own unique product and they want to, you know, find ways to get more money into their pocket just because more people are streaming than watching live television, it seems. But still, you know, how many streaming services do they expect people to actually get into? And I think. You know, it's going to rise up and rise up. Everyone's going to have their own streaming service. And in a few years, we're going to watch, watch them just tumble. You know, they're just going to all collapse because no, no one's going to these services. 
I did and add like the. the doc, oh, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Like the doc said, what did I say? <laughs> no, and like like the doc had said, that's when we're gonna start seeing collaborations between networks, probably, and people trying to, you know, get their networks together to maybe build package networks instead of all these individual streaming services. Yeah, it's just there's too much. There's, you know, different genres like, you know, medical dramas, cop dramas, comedy, sitcom style stuff. There's just there's too much high quality television out there uh, kind of on every channel that, like, if you start to put this stuff, you know, where you have to pay for it for, uh, you know, where you used to get it for free, uh, you know, that's going to turn a lot of people off. You know, I can't, you know, I, I am not an avid TV watcher, so I, you know, there's not going to be a whole assortment of things behind the CBS All Access that I'm going to be clamoring to watch because that's just not me. But I just feel that that's a, that's kind of a turnoff. But that's yeah. where this uh, that's where this the Stand series is going. When it comes to Stephen King uh, properties and Stephen King material, the Stand is something that I actually uh, have never read in the Stephen wow. King catalog. Um, oh wow. Uh, I, I don't even have a reason. There's a few. There's a few things in the Stephen King catalog that I have not read. I haven't read everything. Um, yeah. But uh, the stand is not one of them. It's just, and it, maybe I tried to start it once, and I just wasn't in the right headspace to tackle it. Uh, but mm-hmm. I never went back to it, and uh, never really had much interest. But apparently, uh, the do one of the dudes that's writing, but is also going to direct. His name is Josh Boone. Um, you guys are a bunch of comic nerds, right? So like. There's a X Men thing, right? Is the is the yeah yeah the name new mutants the, the new mutants yeah. is that an X Men? Uh, yeah, that's he's the, the, uh, the movie that's coming out this year, uh, New Mutants. Yeah, so so Josh Boone wrote and directed the New Mutants, and he's going to be taking on uh, the stand. And there's a really cool story behind it. Uh, he grew up uh, like a in a Baptist, like a religious. Um, Baptist family, and he was reading the stand, and he would had to hide it from his super religious parents. And uh, he said they caught him reading it, and that they burned the book in the fireplace. Oh. And uh, he said he was so upset and so angry that he stole his father's FedEx account number and mailed Stephen Stephen King a letter, uh, you know, thanking him for his work and telling him in the story. And he said that he came home several weeks later. Uh, that a, a box had arrived from Maine, and inside were several Stephen King books, uh, each of with each of which had been inscribed with a, a beautiful note from Stephen King. And uh, he said that his parents were so kind of moved by King's uh, kindness and generosity, they they lifted the ban on on the reading of the Stephen King books that day. And uh, that is where uh, Josh Boone, from when he was a little kid, uh, I would imagine, just like us, uh, you know. Continue to read and fall in love with Stephen King and and the genre. That's a great wow! Story. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, imagine coming home and get a package from Stephen King with his books being inscribed. They're like, yeah, I lose my shit. <laughs> you know? Maybe you should write him a letter, King. I'm thinking about it now. Like, you know, but wow! I mean, I don't know if he'd be so gracious now, but who knows? I mean, maybe if I write him a letter, get his address. Write him a letter. Um, I hereby, I hereby, lay forth upon the airwaves a challenge for you to construct okay. and send a letter to Stephen King. I will do that. That'll be my challenge. 
So I will find out where I can send letters to Stephen King, and I will send one out. I will take pictures as proof that I'm going to be mailing a letter to Stephen King. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's probably going to be a lot of blabbering, but uh, I will definitely send him something. And if I get something back, you know, I'll have to let you guys know. It'll probably be a cease and, and desist is- letter, I'm sure. But <laughs> but that has always been one thing of Stephen King, especially back in the day, is, you know, he has always been yeah. very appreciative of his fans. It's like I don't know how many documentaries I've watched with Stephen King and, you know, him showing off his room that's just full of stuff from fans, you know, uh, letters, pa- paintings, drawings, you know. He keeps them all, you know, and he keeps them in a room in his house. That's awesome. Yeah, he will not keep mine, I'm sure. Like this 34-year-old guy is writing me a letter. I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> we will see. So challenge accepted, Doc. I will get to that. But uh, speaking of small screen, I don't know if this is in your docket for the cover, but CW has ordered a Lost Boys pilot based on the classic movie from the 80s. Uh, so the Lost Boys is heading to the small screen via CW. Uh, no word on how many episodes it's going to be, but uh, they are looking to tackle that uh, fantastic vampire film from the 80s. Uh, me, uh, like I said on the Talking Terror page, I'll take a hard pass. Don't need it, don't want it. But if it introduces new people to Lost Boys, you know, that's cool. But I don't really think I need a Lost Boys TV series. I have the movie, I don't really need a series. So I wanted to get what you guys think about uh, this potentially happening. What do you think? Doc? I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I don't care, man. I don't fucking care. Uh, the CW really didn't we go through yeah. this era uh, already when every horror movie that came out was geared toward teenagers and they were beautiful people that looked like they belong on the CW channel. I have zero interest in a fucking CW loss. I didn't even know the CW was still a fucking channel to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I have zero interest. Uh, <laughs> the Lost Boys uh, was a, a perfect movie for its time and place. Yeah. Uh, just an excellent movie at the right time. Uh, if you were at the right age, great stuff. Uh, while some stuff from the Lost Boys is dated, a lot of it does hold up. It's still exciting and effective. With some really, really on point performances. I know that after, uh, I mean, I know that both Corys, uh, you know, in their later years, um, really had always been talking about trying to get a Lost Boys a uh, proper sequel uh, off the ground. I know that, uh, you know, Corey Haim died. And at some point, Corey Feldman did get a, like a Lost Boys sequel of some type uh, out into you the world. Two. And maybe even, maybe even more than one. Uh, I've never, yeah. I've never watched them and I never will. Um, but nope. <laughs> yeah. a, a, C, a CW, a CW Lost Boys, you know, it, it, it just, it just, all, it's just wrong. It reeks of wrongness to me. And not wrong <laughs> in that, oh, God, how could some you know, TV network take this special property that is so cherished? It's just that, like, they're going to make it a stupid fucking kid show. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's, you know, when you look at the awesomeness of Lost Boys, when that shit came out in 1987 or whatever year it was, that shit was aimed at kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it wasn't a kids movie per se, but kids were the target audience. That's the kind of stuff that they made for kids, not the nonsense and window dressing that's going to happen to something with vampires on a CW show in 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be rough. Go ahead, Monkey. No, and I agree with what the doc said, because this summer I introduced my youngest son 
to the Lost Boys and bringing, you know, I introduced him to watching this movie. He he was the same age as I was when I first saw the movie, and it was great to see that the movie still hit. It, you know, I was seeing it hit him the way it hit me. You know, it was, you know, hitting all the right stuff where, you know, you know, yep, stars hot, you know, <laughs> My, Michael's a badass, and, you know, <laughs> everyone freaks out when, you know, find out that Max is the head vampire, you know, and all of it's all covered with comic book lore and stuff like that. It's a great movie for that age, like the doc said, and I was really happy to see that it still holds up, especially when introducing my own son to it and just watching what a great time he had watching the original movie. That being said, yeah, they should leave this the fuck alone and let it just be its own property because, you know, for its time, it it was pretty but a little bit gritty, you know, but, the, you know, it was just at the same time full of sex, full of blood, but at, in a fun way. And CW isn't going to be able to just dial that in the way the movie did. I mean, they've already done vampires, though. I mean, they already have uh, the Vampire Chronicles, whatever the fuck, the Ghoul Likes. I think that's what it's called, they Vampire had the, Chronicles. Well, they have and, vampire, uh, vampire Diaries or something. Uh, the yeah, the originals, know. and now yeah, they have Legacies. <laughs> yeah, so they already have their vampire bullshit. Like, don't fucking tread on the Lost Boys. And I'm not saying this as, like, the Lost Boys is the greatest vampire movie of all time. But at the same time, it's a popular film for a lot of us, like the Doc and like the Monkey and myself. I just don't see it being something that really needs to be done. You know, it's like, oh, Lost no. Boys, yeah, people like that. I mean, I'm sure Feldman is just waiting for his phone to ring right now. You get that call. <laughs> Lost Boys, CW pilot, where are you? All right, I'll be right over. I'm a frog brother. Well, like, yeah, no. Well, especially because IDW just a couple of years ago just started up their own Lost Boys column book because that's what IDW does is jump on old properties <laughs> and try and turn them into column books for as long as they can. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was the, the comic book series, and like the doc had said, yeah, Corey Feldman did make two sequels. Uh, the first one was The Tribe, and then came The Thirst that introduced uh, Werewolves. They are completely just passable films. Like, you don't need to see them. Like, they exist. If you really need to see it, you can. But just watch the first one. Just watch the first Lost Boys and enjoy Pimp <laughs> Pillows, I Still Believe, and Cry Little Sister, <laughs> oh. and have a good time. All that matters. Okay, yeah. so Doc, moving on. So, uh, we talked about the stand. We talked about uh, Clive Barker and Chucky. Uh, Zombieland two uh, starts okay. filming this week. Uh, tight, tight schedule because this this baby's got a release date of October eleventh, two thousand nineteen. Uh, really. But it's yeah, this October, October 11th, uh, building wow. starts now, and uh, without any, without any information about what her role is going to be yet, I read today that Rosario Dawson was added to the cast. You might know oh, really? her from wow. such okay. bear. At, yeah, you might know her from such bear as Clerks Two, and the Twenty Fifth Hour, amongst many other things. Yeah. Uh, but Rosario Dawson has been added to the cast of Zombieland 2, uh, which, uh, you know, is 
taking place, I guess, ten, like legitimately 10 years after the events of the last film, being that it's been 10 years since the last film has come out. The original cast is all back on board, and apparently they're going to be battling uh, new evolved or zombies that have evolved over the time, as well as, uh, you know, other human survivors that are out there uh, across the landscape. So uh, I think Zombieland was, was, was super fun and entertaining, mm-hmm. and I'm looking forward to a, a, another visit to the Zombieland world. Yeah. What do you think, Monkey? You ready to go back to the land of zombies? Yeah, I, I could definitely see this working. It's like I know the fans have been clamoring for this movie. Um, it's just me personally. I just want. I hope they deliver more of what they promised in the first one. You know, it's you know, because all of the trailers made it seem like it was just going to be you know slapstick, all action kind of zombie film. It wasn't that. It was actually pretty heartfelt. You know. Um, and I'm just hoping that they deliver us a little bit more on the action side of what lives in zombie world. Yeah. I mean, it was a great film. I mean, I saw it in theaters. I'm looking forward to it. I saw that they did the, uh, the 10 year challenge uh, that Facebook made so famous uh, where it's 10 years ago, the original zombie land poster versus a new one where they're all older, you know, and ready to go back into that world. Um, I mean, honestly, if I had to choose though, between zombie land and Shaun of the dead, I go Shaun of the Dead every time. So I'm not as big of a Zombieland fan as I am of Shaun. So, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with. I mean, I'm still waiting for a Shaun of the Dead sequel. If Edgar Wright's out there, I know Baby Driver's going to get a sequel. Let's get Shaun. Come on. You're going to do from Dust till Shaun. Let's make it happen. Us fans out there <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I, see that. No, I, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I just, again, I, I just hope that we have a fun ride with this one. And I think we will. I think it's in safe hands. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. And, and Doc, you said they're shooting this week. Starts filming, starts this week. Wow, that's pretty amazing that they're fun, uh, trying to get it out in October. So that's a quick turnaround time between shooting and uh, editing and, and getting it released. So they're going to have to work fast. But, you know, if they can get it, you know, why not? Yeah, yeah, if they got the time, they got the money, yeah, by all means, let it roll. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, Doc, what's next? Uh, we all know that uh, Jordan Peele, who's been in the news for so many reasons, uh, <laughs> and so many projects lately, uh, has his, his next feature, uh, Us, um, you know, on the imminent horizon, Uh, You know, he made some comments. Uh, Apparently, uh, he had been communicating with people on social media and other avenues and, you know, people not accusing him, but saying, oh, you know, you made Get Out and it was so wonderful and explored all these issues about race. And now you're making, uh, you know, this other movie, Us, about a black family. You know, is this going to be your deal now? You're going to, like, explore race in your movies and whatnot. And uh, he made very clear that uh, for us, um, he is not focusing on race in us. But okay. he said that as a black man, uh, looking at the horror genre, uh, it's not often that there's a horror movie about a black family. Uh, so basically, yeah, sure. he said his movie is about a black family <clears throat> that's just being a black, a black family. 
yeah. and not about race, race, race issues. And he was just really excited to, to, to bring forth just this, what he's going to straight up horror film. Uh, he said that he knows that people are going to, you know, try to look deeper and try to, you know, find meaning. And he said, that's all well and good. And, you know, there are some things for people to find if they really want to dig in deep with the story and whatnot. But for the most part, he said that he just, that us, you should be expecting, uh, you know, a straight up horror film about a black family. And that's appreciated. I mean, in, in my opinion, the fact that it's just a horror film centering around a black family, like it doesn't have to mean anything more than that. Um, I mean, especially with Get Out, you know, everybody was talking about the sociopolitical issues that happened in the movie, and it's there. But, you know, why can't he just make a movie about a black family? Like, why does it have to mean anything more than that? And it should, you know, it should just be a good movie. They just happen to be African-American. And I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to Us. I really am. I can't wait to see that movie when it comes out. Because oh, yeah. The trailer is freaky as hell. <laughs> it really looks good. Especially because he did base it off a Twilight Zone episode, Mirror Image. That he said well, in an interview, uh, so he based it off a Twilight Zone episode. So I was like, all right, even more, I'm interested because Mirror Image is probably one of my favorite episodes from Twilight Zone. Fantastic yeah, episode. But, so. Yeah, but for anyone that's in there trying to give him a hard time, it's like, yeah, say what you want, but why can't he make it about American <laughs> African American family? Why not? Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> exactly. You know, because like you had said, there's that special coming up next month that he's doing about African-Americans in horror and yeah. the roles that they played, but it's always been side roles here and there or first to die, that kind of stuff. And it's, if anything, it's time that they get equal time in front of the camera and let them have their own horror movie. And they have over the years. It's just, it's not enough. You know, they don't get enough time in the spotlight, I think, you know, where it's like they could make just as good of a movie as anybody else. So I'm glad that Jordan Peele yeah. is on the front lines making it happen. Um, but, yeah, speaking of Jordan Peele, I know we've talked a lot about him tonight, so I hope he's listening. Jordan, love you. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, Candyman, the reboot that we've talked about, the Nia DaCosta film that Jordan Peele is uh, planning on producing, they cast Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, many of you might remember him from Get Out uh, as the first person that uh, the main character introduces himself to that freaks out when he takes a picture of him. It was also in a fantastic movie that I watched over the weekend called Sorry to Bother You. Uh, the movie, if you watch the trailer, it shows it as almost a dark comedy, but there are so many horror elements to Sorry to Bother You. I was like, yeah, it's a horror movie, like, but it's got comedic elements. So if you guys get a chance to see Sorry to Bother You, it's really well done. So Lakeith Stanfield yeah. is going to be cast in a movie. A lot of people are flipping out going, oh, no, oh, no, it's Candyman. But he's not playing Candyman. He's playing an artist named Anthony who investigates the urban legend of Candyman. So they still have not yet cast Candyman. So Tony Todd is literally right there just waiting for that phone to ring. And I hope to God that it does because I'm still waiting for that call for Tony Todd to reprise the role. Um, but what was interesting to me is that he's playing a character named Anthony. And if you remember the Candyman movie from back in the 90s, the baby that Candyman kidnaps in that movie is named Anthony. So I'm wondering who's going to be the spiritual successor to Candyman, where Anthony is all grown up now and wants to know about Candyman. So I wanted to uh, place on you guys. What do you think about that? You know, that it could be a real spiritual successor to the original Candyman. 
And that would be really interesting spin on it, man. <laughs> Doc, how, how are you feeling about this Candyman remake? I mean, uh, you know, I know that a, a, a lot of stuff in our genre universe brings forth for me uh, negative feelings, and, and this is just another one of them. Look, I saw the original Candyman a long, long, long time ago once, it was a pretty cool horror movie uh, when I saw it. It's not something I ever felt the need to watch again. I like Tony Todd. I like Virginia Madsen. I liked it. Uh, but it's, it's just it's not something of interest to me. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish it all the best. I'm not like, oh, how the fuck could they do this? Uh, you know, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's just not something I'm interested in. You know, I hope they make a good movie. I hope people like it. Uh, but it's not for me. Uh, it's just not really something I'm paying attention to. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm paying attention to because I know we've talked about in the show numerous times how I'm such a fan of Candyman, especially Bernard Rowe's film, that first one. Uh, the second one, uh, Day of the Dead, was really good. The third one, uh, Farewell to the Flesh, I could live without because Don Jericho, <laughs> not, so not that great. And uh, not that good of a movie because they keep changing his mythos and, and what he is. And I felt like that was the downside of those sequels where they keep changing – who Candyman is. It's like, well, he's not in Chicago anymore. Now he's in New Orleans. Uh, now he's in Los Angeles. We hope you guys don't mind. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, it's just, it's, it's right. weird of a dichotomy of how they changed it up was, the Candyman mythos to fit the sequels. Uh, but I'm looking forward to yeah. it. I mean, I really am hoping that Tony Todd gets that call where Jordan Peele's like, yeah, we need to have Tony. We can't have anybody else play Candyman but Tony. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that it happens. But again, in this day and age, you never know. They might just say he's too old, can't do it. <clears throat> I'm still holding out hope that he gets that call. Yeah, and and I'm with you, King. Where it's like I'm, you know, not only about Tony Todd, but um, just I'm really looking forward to this project just because I'm really interested to see what Jordan Peele can do once he gets, you know, access to a franchise character. You know, what's what's the spin he's gonna put on it? And I'm curious of, you know, is he a fan of the original movie, and, and does he want to sit there and make this true to the original film? And I think that's what you always hope for, Monkey, is that these people that are making these reboots, remakes, whatever you want to call them, are fans of the original material. That they're going to make a movie that's kind of worthy of the original concept, of the original content. You know, they're not going to just make a movie where it's like, yeah, fuck it. We don't like the original. We're going to make something better. It's like, well, you have to kind of pay respect to what came before. And if you can't do that, then you shouldn't be making this movie. And I feel like that's a yeah. lot of times the remakes kind of fall by the wayside when it comes to that. And that's why I'm curious about Jordan Peele's involvement with it, just because, you know, you know, you, you guys are there and say it. He's trying to bring African-American horror to the forefront, make them the main characters. And, you know, Again, you know, I'm I'm excited, but at the same time, just very curious about how strong of a movie he's going to make, you know, with a classic franchise character. Yeah, and I mean, it's debatable how classic Candyman is uh, as far as the icons, because I often think that Candyman gets forgotten. Uh, when you talk about people like Freddy and Jason and Michael Leatherface, I feel like Candyman always takes a back seat, and that's what's always frustrating to me, because I feel like Candyman belongs up there. You know, on that mountain of horror icons. I mean, he only had three films, but at the same time, it's iconic. 
Well, well, I do too, just because I was in um, high school when the first one came out, and I just remember how big it was amongst every, all of the kids, you know, and you know everyone doing Candyman jokes into the mirrors and shit like that, and seeing who would get freaked out and who wouldn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who could actually do it five times without freaking out? <laughs> you know, <laughs> daring everybody. Yeah, it to was do a it. big. Yeah, and it was a big party thing, and yeah, so you know, it was a big part of my high school days, you know. So I, that's why I just always consider it a, a bigger character than it probably is. Okay, all right. So wrapping up our horror discussion for tonight, before we get into the movie, uh, do you have anything else for us, Doc? Yeah, and what makes you think we're wrapping it up? How do you know I don't have seven more items? You might, but I want to give you time for your movie. I want to give respectful time. There'll be plenty of time, though. Hey, it's my pick. I'll decide how much time there is for my movie. No, I'm only kidding. There'll be plenty of time time for the movie, I assure you. Uh, But anyway, uh, the final thing, and it is the final thing that I do have, a little bit of an interesting project. I know this will be of interest to the King of Horror because I know how much he appreciates and respects uh, Zack Snyder's work in the realm of zombie movies. Hmm. Yeah. Great. But uh, <laughs> coming in 2019, I think that's right. Coming in sometime. No, sorry. Maybe 2020. Okay. Zack Snyder is bringing a big budget zombie film to Netflix. It's going to be called okay. Army of the Dead. Okay. Netflix has given him a $90 million budget. Oh, what? And it's, that's a huge what? budget. In $90 this. million? That's a $90 million. Jesus. And that's a <laughs> massive budget. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like some, somewhere truly, uh, you know, I read a lot about what's going on in the world of Netflix, not just in yeah. uh, our genre stuff, but in the amount of money that they pay for properties and the big deals they have for exclusive work with stars, like, you know, they gave Adam Sandler something like a hundred million dollars, uh, you know, for like five years to make like five movies for them or something like that. Like they spend money, um, you know, insanely. There's also no talk about how much money they really bring in, but like right. $90 million is a huge amount of money. Uh, you know, maybe in a, as far as a, a blockbuster Hollywood movie, maybe not so much. But yeah. I feel when I hear this number for a Netflix original one film, not even like a series or something, I feel like it's a right. pretty big number. But anyway, uh, what is interesting to me about this is that uh, Zack Snyder says that he is excited because there is going to be absolutely zero handcuffs, oversight, anything from Netflix that he is free to do anything that he wants and he says what? that it is his plan and there's a lot of uh he speaks in a lot of hyperbole here uh but he says that it is his goal to bring the most fun uh the most crazy the most epic balls to the wall most kick-ass most self-aware but not a wink at the camera kind uh, uh-huh. show uh ever seen in the zombie universe that it will be completely let loose and that he says the the amount of freedom, uh, like to have zero oversight or handcuffs, is just like a dream come true. Uh, and that he says he's truly going to put together something crazy. So, uh, you know, uh, we can argue uh, forever 
as we have the merits of previous work in the zombie field that we know the King loves so much. But mm-hmm. uh, that's not what we're here to do now. Um, no. We're just here to talk no. about what's going on in the world of horror. And this is something that is going on in the world of horror. Zack Snyder's Balls to the Wall, a freak show of a zombie film with a $90 million budget for Netflix, uh, coming soon to a streaming device uh, near you. But, there's, there, okay, so... He's saying it's not going to be handcuffed. He's going to make his own vision. He's going to do what he wants to do. They're giving him $90 million fucking dollars to make this movie. Like, yeah. You're going to say no handcuffs. They're giving you this gigantic budget. And you're going to say, I'm not going to be handcuffed. No, you're going to have a handcuff, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> they're giving you all this money. I'm sorry. It's not like, they're like here's you know, $10 million. Go make your movie. $90 million. You know, yeah. There's you, know what, though? you know what? You know, you say that, but... This isn't a situation where uh, there is all kinds of suits uh, lording over you like in a Hollywood universe that need final say on every fucking word in the script and this and that and need to run things by their lawyers. One of the things that I've read about uh, so many and have heard in interviews and whatnot with people that have done exclusive deals with Netflix that have worked with Netflix is is the amount of freedom that they have to to create the visions they want to create when when they're doing their work, uh, you know that Netflix is not, you know, there's not suits, you know, over everyone's shoulders where things right. need to be approved, and uh, that the creative freedom that they offer is one of the big draws, uh, you know, for people or performers or writers or directors or whoever. Uh, to want to be part of, or be under that big Netflix umbrella. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. get that and I hear that about Netflix, but if they're giving me $90 million, I guess that they're like, yeah, do your own thing. I mean, I'm, I don't know, $90 million, I'm pretty sure they're going to be there at least one day out of the shooting schedule to be like, are you sure? Like, you know, we're giving you $90 million. <laughs> like, Monkey, what do you think about that? Because that, to me, that's just astronomical. Uh I hear what the doc is saying, but I also, I'm sorry, I just don't believe it. It's like, you know, I just don't believe that anyone in any genre of doing anything gives anyone $90 million and goes, build what you want to build. We don't care. Just, <laughs> just, make, something, just make something awesome. Like, I, I just, it sounds too good to be true, and so it must be too good to be true. It's like there's no way that, you know, you're going to be given $90 million and told to go build the world you want and that there are going to be no uh, lawyers or suits anywhere around jumping in going, eh, no. You know, I, yeah. I just don't see it happening. I mean, I hope. I mean, I hope that that's what it is and that Netflix just gives them this money. But, I mean, imagine what Romero could have done with $90 million and creating a, a zombie universe. Imagine what Wes Craven or John Carpenter could have done with $90 million. They're going to give it to Zack Snyder because he's on Netflix's dime? Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, a lot of problems with that $90 million price tag. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but, I mean, how, how much of a big budget – how much was the budget I'm, – I'm trying to pull it up. The budget for, like, Romero's uh, Land of the Dead. I'm trying to find it. It's uh, – Which is a universal movie. Land of the Dead, big budget. Uh, for Romero, 
fifteen million dollars. They gave him fifteen, yeah. and that's Universal Pictures. All right. So, do you think that? Do you think that Land of the Dead would have been less a piece of shit than it was if he had ninety million? That was the studio involved picture, and I've said it numerous times. Land of the Dead, they were over his shoulder every step of the way because that was their money that he was playing with. So that's why I said that's why I have a hard time believing that Netflix is going to give him ninety million dollars and say, "Have fun, we'll see you later." Like, no, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you, you don't write a check that big and not expect somebody over your shoulder saying, "I don't like this," and uh, you know we got to cut this a little bit. Like, I, I just don't believe it. You know, I mean, Universal Pictures gave him fifteen million dollars and they were breathing down his throat every step of the way. Netflix yeah, just, gives you know, him ninety saying, million. Like from from what I heard, it's been Netflix. M.O. to say, have at it, you know? I mean, I, well, I'm going to try to look it up. I, I mean, granted, we're talking about a season, uh, you know, a not a one-shot deal. But I'm trying to look up now what the budget, if there's budget information for, uh, like, the right. first season of Stranger Things, you know? Um, right. Where, you know, the, the, those guys have said, no, nah, I'm not seeing any budget information um, but those guys, the Duff brothers, you know, they've, they've said, especially after the first season, that they have complete creative control, that they're able to make the show that they want to make. They don't, they don't have focus groups and, 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 right. and, and nonsense uh, getting in the way of their creative vision. So, like, yeah, $91 million, that, like, that's a fortune. But, uh, you know, if they're really – if Netflix is continuing uh, this pursuit to push into uh, – you know, or continue to grow their original content, uh, which has been of tremendous success uh, with series and miniseries, and they want to continue to now work into feature films, uh, you know, maybe it's the right move. And yes, we can argue all day about Zach, you know, about his, about his, his competency or the quality of his work and, and what you think of him. Uh, but, you know, whether whether you like it or not, <clears throat> uh, Dawn of the Dead 2004, and again, I'm not t- trying to have an argument with you, King. Right. Uh, forget about the fact that it was a remake of a Romero movie. Uh, you know, it was a fun, fast-paced, adventurous romp. Uh, if that thing, you know, wasn't a Dawn of the Dead remake and <clears throat> they hunkered down at a fucking, you know, an airplane hangar versus a shopping mall and everything else was the same... Uh, it still would have been a, a crackling, fun, uh, you know, different twist on a on a on a on a genre, and yeah. I feel that, um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what someone can do. And one of the things that I've always thought in our genre, and maybe it's because we are super, super, super jaded. We uh, for our show and in our own time watch horror movies that span the globe of all different kinds. Uh, you know where kind of jaded and kind of seen at all when it especially I feel when it comes to blood and when it comes to gore Mm -hmm. and stuff like that like it was fun to see some of the level of gory stuff in in the fucking Art the Clown last week uh you know the movie wasn't great but I feel that if Zack Snyder is gonna take that money and run and make a balls to the wall uh, exciting freak show of a zombie film. Like, I want to see from start to finish. I want to see, like, Peter Jackson dead alive level fucking gore. Like, I want to see, yeah. like, someone do something absolutely crazy with the gore effects and not <clears throat> the obvious fake-looking 
like CGI stuff. Like I want to see real deal special effects. I want to see blood and I want to see gore and guts in fun, creative ways that we haven't seen before. And I hope that that's going to, uh, you know, give him the, the opportunity to do that because that's what I started to get excited about. Oh God, we're going to have something that's not rated. That doesn't matter about its weekend opening PG 13 going audience. And we can just have blood and guts and gore and zombies in galore and, and have a great time. And that's, that's really what I'm, what I'm hoping for. Well, we hope for, I mean, like I said, my feelings of Donald's dead aside, you know, $90 million budget. We'll see what happens with it. But going from a movie with a $90 million budget to a movie that probably didn't have nearly as much of a budget. Uh, the movie we're talking think? about tonight, the Damien Rugno film, Adorados, I can't say with flavor, uh, terrified. Uh, Doc, uh, this is your pick tonight, so why don't you give us a little bit of a plot synopsis and uh, what do you think? All right, so we have uh, Adorados, or Atorados, uh, a.k.a. Terrified, uh, American word. Uh, there is uh, going to be an American version of this film that, that Guillermo yeah. de Toro uh, is behind, uh, but this mm-hmm. movie takes place in uh, in Buenos Aires, um, you know, there is a suburban neighborhood. Uh, maybe there's something in the pipes. Maybe there's something supernatural. But we have uh, we have a suburban neighborhood that is is plunged into uh, a nightmare of epic proportions uh, that brings out some, you know, the, the the paranormal investigators and the cops and everyone trying to figure out what happened. Uh, this movie was directed by someone. Um, forgive me out there, you know you're listening to our show, Mr. Director. Uh, uh, Demian, 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 Rugna. Uh, this is a Spanish language film, uh, again, and uh, from Argentina. And from what I understand, the first uh, film of its kind from Argentina. And uh, and yeah, uh, nice. Uh, nice hour and 27 minute running time. Uh, you know, interesting movie from, uh, you know, uh, the first exploration of this type of stuff uh, from the creative team. Uh, so uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of like the, the basic gist, and I guess we can go from there. All right. So, Monkey, what did you think about Terrified? I won't say Adorados because I can't say it right like you can. You just <laughs> Okay. No, I, I said a lot of, but um, yeah, yeah this, this, this is gonna no, this is gonna be a weird night because I watched a Spanish horror movie and I must say that I enjoyed this film. Um, so this you say is that my like you were first, surprised. You have something against yes, Spanish horror films? This is my the, my first Spanish horror movie that I actually liked. <laughs> what are some of um, the ones that you dislike? That's a good question. Uh, no, uh, Andy, what was the one that you let me about the devil? Oh, here comes the, the devil's backbone? Yeah, here here comes the devil. Then we watched witch, uh, Witching and Bitching, and then I watched an anthology, a uh, uh, Mexican anthology movie about holidays. I can't remember the name of you it. You said but, you liked Here Comes yeah. the Devil, though, so I'm calling you out on that. <laughs> but anyway, was this movie great? Um, No. But did I have a fun, spooky time watching it? Oh, hell yes, I did. Um, and with all the movies that have been coming out with tiny, tiny casts, 
I thought this was a lovely little piece that had just the right amount of actors. Um, not too crowded, but also well above the bare minimum that seems to have been going on lately, especially in movies that we've been covering lately. Um, I also really enjoyed the acting out of the entire cast. I thought everyone was solid. I could not find a single weak link in any of them. Um, you are the weak link. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> The, the weakest, weakest were, link, sorry. <laughs> the, the effects were an absolute pleasure for me. I loved the gore. I loved the creature effects. And any, if any of this was CGI, I really couldn't tell. The effects team, oh, God. <laughs> a fucking, the effects team did an awesome job on this fucking movie. Now, granted, the plot in this movie could have definitely been considered a little bit slow in parts, but I don't know. There was just something about the feel and the mood of the movie that just kept me in there. Um, I think part of it was because I thought this movie, personally, was a fresh spin on the classic H.P. Lovecraft story, The Dreams in the Witch House, where it's an odd little tale where terror lies just on the other side of the dimension, and you just have to find out how to get past it and be able to look inside. Mm. And that's it. Okay. Well, you know, uh, Madonna, as Evita said, don't cry for me, Argentina. I cry for Argentina with this movie. <laughs> I hated this movie. Wait yourself. I just, I hated this movie. I really did. I mean, I did not like anything. I must ask. Why, why hate? Hate is a is a strong is a strong word. Why hate? It took me three times to get through this movie. Because I just kept getting bored and getting distracted, and yeah, I just and, and it wasn't because it's your pick, you know, Doc. Because we we've talked about a lot of movies that you. Oh, I don't care, I man. I, I I I make no apologies for my picks ever. No, 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 no. I just like this movie just didn't hit for me at all. Like it just it was plotting in a lot of points. They tried to make some good points about death and about another dimension. It just felt like Argentina, they were trying to make a Poltergeist movie, and they just didn't hit any good marks with it. Like, I just, you get to the third act, and it's like, okay, something's finally happening. Great. But it's like it took me an hour and some odd change of a movie to get through it. I just, I didn't care about anybody in this movie. I was just like, all right, well, when's the scary shit going to happen? I was like, I'm not scared yet. Like, I was like, okay, all right, well, we got some cool shit happening now, but there's only 10 minutes left. So obviously they have to do something. So yeah, I was just, I don't know. I mean, I know that Guillermo del Toro is going to make an American version of this. So I'm hoping that maybe he can make a better film than what we got. But yeah, it was just a rough time with me getting through uh, Terrified uh, for this episode. It's just, it, it didn't really do anything for me. And I'm surprised, Monkey, because you don't like ghost stories. You're not a big fan of the ghost I, films. No, I, I don't. I don't like Haunted House stories, but this was a different spin on it. Yes, I do, because this they took it and, you know, we'll get into it, but they put some new fresh spins on it of it's not a haunted house. It's haunted houses. It's a haunted neighborhood, man, like with different plots going on with each one. Each house has its own story, and they're all connected in some way or fashion to make the whole neighborhood a haunted one big haunted house. 
It wasn't. Is it really a haunted neighborhood, or is it only three houses? I'm just saying, as opposed to one haunted house, we now have, you know, several. Yeah, it wasn't just a haunted house story. It was a haunted houses story. Yeah, but yeah, there was a connecting thread. Um, But we get introduced to uh, Wong and Clara that are living in one house, and Clara hears voices in the sink. They're no, saying they want to no. kill her, and she doesn't understand why they want to kill her. You know, she just doesn't get it. And Juan thinks that it's his next door neighbor, Walter, that's just uh, remodeling his house at all hours of the night. So he. I love hearing him say the name that. Walter. <laughs> yeah, Walter, Walter. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you know, so, but you said I, I, you know there's you know certain things as we move through our discussion uh, that I'll that I'll ask because. You know, things that I thought were interesting to me for, you know, King, for you to be, to say that there was nothing here that worked. So when uh, Clara, Clara, whoever is, uh, you know, she's working in her kitchen sink, she she hears, she thinks she's towards the beginning of the film. She uh, she feels that she hears voices and in, in, in coming from the pipes and she's scared and she tells, she tells her husband, uh, you know, who's like, you're a fucking kook. But anyway... Then yeah. we get the noises, the thumping noises, and, uh, you know, Juan, the husband, uh, thinks that it's the neighbor. He goes outside, and he's yelling, saying, shut the fuck up. And then he goes home and opens up the bathroom door, and there's his wife suspended in midair, uh, getting slammed back and forth against the walls. There's blood all over the place, uh, all over the tiles. That's- um you- that you, you that didn't startle you when he opened the door. Uh, I thought that was a very effective set piece. Not at all, because that's what well, what happened was he was trying to sleep, and he kept hearing the banging on the walls, and he kept thinking that it was Walter banging right. on the walls at five o'clock in the morning. And he's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And Walter's unanswering the door, and he thinks that Clara's in the shower the entire time. And when he goes in there, his reaction was like, "Oh fuck, like, what's going on, man?" Like, that's crazy shit. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, no. I'm like, all right. So, I don't know. <laughs> Just didn't like for you me. Gotta... <sighs> okay. I, I, loved, I, I fucking loved this scene. I thought it was a great scene to get you right into the movie. Like, totally fuck with you. We, you know, we, we have whatever, whatever, something that is taking Claire and just slam her fucking skull right up against the fucking porcelain, you know, and just from one side of the shower to the other side of the shower to the other side of the shower, and just more and more blood is just going all over the place, you know. Yano's just getting covered in this shit. You know, I I fucking loved it, man. (laughs) It was fine. Like, it's okay. I mean, because I did like the fact that you have uh, Juan talking to these three people. Like, he's obviously been in custody. You know, they don't know what the fuck happened. But it's the fact that he says that Clara disappeared. So where did her body go? Like, I would appreciate it if it was like she's dead and the cops found her and they're like, you fucking killed her. And he's like, no, I didn't. I swear. Like, it was fucking ghosts and shit. Like, but no, Clara disappeared. So that was what kind of was like, all right, we're going to go that route, that her body disappeared. So now we just have a, a guy that we're locking up because he's crazy, obviously. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Didn't work. No, they, they, and I agree they, with that. You know, there, there's certainly, you know, I, I yeah. never indicated, uh, you know, that I thought that this was a, 
a perfect film by any stretch of the right. imagination. Um, you know, I thought that it was effective and some things uh, worked better than others. Uh, but there are definitely, you know, plot holes and, and things throughout. And I'll certainly agree with you that that is certainly one of them, King, for sure. Yeah. You know, and like I yeah. said, you know, I, I didn't like this movie, and I already said it. But I did like the fact that they had him in this, you know, mental care facility, and he's being talked to uh, by Rosentalk and Yano and uh, Albrecht, you know, about what happened you know, in this neighborhood. So I did like that because I was like, okay, so now they're kind of bringing in the real life aspect of it. Like uh, he killed his wife, but he's saying ghost did it. And I was like, okay, we're going to go that route, but they don't really go that route. They don't really kind of show you that much of Juan in prison and being investigated by these reporters because they believe it's the paranormal. And like, we should really investigate what happened uh, at Walter's house. Like, it's it's not the police. It's these weird paranormal investigators that want to know what well, happened. That's because Juan is our frame story, okay? Juan is the frame story yeah, so yeah. that they can tell He's the story the about these yeah. other... Yeah, so he then they, we can get into the stories about these other three houses and how the three investigators were involved with the three houses in the neighborhood. Um, what did you guys think about the Walter story? Because to me, like I said, I'm not a fan. I've already admitted it, but I did like yeah. the Walter story because well, obviously something is happening ahead. in his I mean, house. Because he you know, you said you said you said nothing works for you, and that you did not like this movie. Uh, so let's talk about that. So what was it about Walter's story that that was interesting to you? What did what did you like? Um, what I liked about Walter's story was that it was kind of a, a breakdown of somebody that's having a mental breakdown that can't explain what's happening in his house. Like he hears things, he thinks he sees things and he can't explain it. So he's calling this Dr. Albrecht on the phone and he's constantly being told she doesn't have time for you. You don't have proof. She's not going to investigate. So you don't know what Dr. Albrecht is. Maybe she's a psychiatrist. Maybe she's a therapist. You don't know what Dr. Albrecht is in this film. We just know he she's just a knows specialist. I need to see her. I need to talk to her. I need her to come and talk to me. And he's constantly being told no. And he's like, well, fuck it. I'm going to get proof. And it was just uh, the proof that he had. I was like, it, I guess it's okay, but it's just, it, it seems silly to me. The weird slender man, you know, bald, naked guy that comes out from beneath his bed and just keeps taunting him throughout the movie. I'm like, all right. So we have that. With his big, <laughs> you know? with his big huge junk. <laughs> yeah, like for some reason, like you know, just keeps taunting this fucking poor guy that just wants to go to bed, and it's you know, so in a way, I could see why that would scare some people. The fact that there's this weird, naked, bald, tall guy, you know, underneath his bed. But for me, I thought that was the most favorite just... part. <laughs> yeah, I know, because you know he's there. But it was kind of yeah. weeding credence to what he had, and that's what I didn't like is the fact that he had videotape of this weird, naked, tall man underneath his bed. And I was kind of wishing that it wasn't there. Like, whatever he videotaped, he didn't get. But he did. Like, he actually recorded it. And I was kind of disappointed that he got all that. Yeah. But also, this story isn't just about, you know, having to sit there and deal with something that you know is true, uh, having to get through it. You're not getting any help. You're 
you know, you are breaking down, also, you know, not because you're actually seeing shit and know this stuff is going on in your house. You know, he, you've seen him, so they're trying to take all these pills so he can just try and get some fucking sleep. You know, so he's also right. going nuts from the entire lack of sleep. And, you know, this is just a classic story of the monster under the bed. And is it true? Is it not? You know, and that's, you know, while we watch this mental deterioration going on, I also just enjoy the funniness of the monster just fucking with him and just every once in a while just sliding the bed for no reason. You know, just moving the bed. But I'm still here. Yeah. I I just, I didn't, I I liked the deterioration of, of Walter because obviously he's going through some shit. He doesn't know how to explain it. You know, his next-door neighbor, Juan, is like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? And he's like, man, nah, fuck it. I don't know. Like, some shit. I'm doing home, like, I'm you doing know? home repairs. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm doing home repairs, and that's why you're hearing all this noise. He's like, well, fucking cut it out, man. Like, time to sleep. You know, so it's just, I don't know. I just, I wish that he didn't capture what he caught, because now you have proof. And it's like, I kind of wish that it was just him being mentally unstable and not actually seeing these ghosts that are in his house. But he caught it, but it doesn't go anywhere because the evidence doesn't go to anywhere. But it does, though, because we found out later in the movie that Albrecht is coming to his house. So it does go someplace. Like She's there for the specific reason that he was saying, I have proof. So she yeah, is there specifically for that reason. No, the proof never got out. She, I think she showed, I took it as she showed up because that was, she knows that that's the guy that just kept calling her. Hmm. You know, he's been what calling do you think, every Doc? day. What's that? About Albrecht showing up at Walter's house after he had that final attack by the, uh, the weird ghost. All of a sudden she's there taking pictures outside of his house. Like, do you think that she finally had the proof that she needed or she just showed up? I mean, based on his level of fucking reaching out, there has to be a reason that the visit's going to get paid. Uh, he was being paid no mind. I'm sorry. We can't help you. And he, like, he tried, like, in that phone conversation, uh, you know, tried to spin it every which way possible to, to get some access. Um I would imagine that maybe something did connect. Maybe the person on the, the, the receptionist that he dealt with was like, yo, this motherfucker's on the phone crazy. Maybe you should see what's up with this guy. Um, I don't feel that, uh, you know, after being rebuffed uh, or rebuked so many times that uh, you're just going to show up unannounced. Maybe, in a way. Um, but... You know, it, it it is kind of a coincidental thing that Albrecht is there because the scene that preceded it is you have Walter inside of his house completely blocking himself off from all communication from the outside, just completely obsessed with these creatures that are invading his home night and day, and you have this little boy that just wants to play soccer because Argentina, you know, they love their soccer. And, uh, yeah. All of the rest of I the world it. loves their soccer. It's just us that doesn't understand the game, okay? <laughs> yeah. No, it's us that fucking I, know better is the truth. Yeah, it's just, it was the, the fun thing of this kid, you know, playing with the soccer ball and running up to Walter's house because he wants to apparently take a drink out of Walter's uh, faucet out the outside. 
I was like, yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid drinking out of the, the garden hose, but not out of a faucet like that. I was like, all right, so this kid's thirsty. You know, he needs some water. And he had Walter telling him to get the fuck away from his house. And he gets hit by a bus. I was like, all right, movie. <laughs> I don't like you, but I like it because I like when kids get damaged in horror films because I'm twisted <laughs> like that. <laughs> I like it when I see kids get maimed because they're not safe. Um, but did you guys think that this was like a bridge to the later story, or do you just think that this is just kind of a death that they're going to have in the movie? No, it, it was uh, like a bridge. I, when, well, when, when, the, when the accident happened, you know, my initial thoughts as this guy, you know, as, as he was kind of crumbling under the weight of dealing with these fucking creatures, and I was envisioning him on this kind of path of, you know, while he was shutting himself in, I was envisioning himself on a path to, like, even more extreme shut-in. And then, obviously, this accident happening uh, being a a catalyst for him, you know, to go even further uh, in breaking down uh, because of his circumstances. So I didn't realize at the time that this was introducing like a, a different or another uh, element to the, or another storyline uh, to, the, to the film. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how it was going to play out because obviously I felt like it had to mean something. The fact that you had this kid get hit by the bus. I'm like, well, obviously it's going to have to play out one way or another at a certain point, they're going to have to kind of bring this in Uh as far as what's going to lead up to what we get in the finale. Um, it was just kind of weird because you have, you get introduced to uh, funnies. I mean, I know it's Funes, but I called them funnies in the movie because I just didn't care. And, you know, uh, this weird old man that kind of looks like Ray Wise in his prime uh, kind of showing up and they're, you find out that uh, Funes is working with the police department. He's a, I think he's a captain. And you have yeah. uh, Yano, who is really into the paranormal, and you find out that he was a coroner at one time. And you have this investigation of the house because apparently the body of this kid, who I think, I don't know if you guys got his name, but I think it was Pucho. Because I think that was the name outside of his door. Pucho. I didn't catch it. Because there was a sign outside of his door towards the end of the movie, and it said Pucho, and I was like, I guess that's his name. But they never say it in dialogue. But his body is back, and it's at the kitchen table. And there's like a little meal set up for him, and there's a glass of milk. To me, like I said, for all the hatred I have for this movie, I did like the fact that the little kid dead, just sitting at this kitchen table. Because yeah, you don't but, know if his know, mother, can... at least he dug him up or not. I think even before – oh, wait, wait, wait. Maybe I'm wrong. Didn't you first see the footsteps outside before he was at the table? You might have. I think they did show – I know or, they showed the little uh, footsteps. Like, Where do the footsteps up the path come be- after that? I know that no, they showed the uh, handprints outside the house at one point. Well, I don't know. If, I know that was after. We first have the, before all of that though we have the knock on the door and and the mom answers the door. And okay, right. 
and and yeah, like the doc said, I mean, like you know that there's the footprints, the muddy footprints coming up to the door, mm-hmm. and it was and it was after their investigation that they see all the footprints all around the door, handprints all around the door, you know, as if the little fucker had been crawling on the wall like Spider Man. Yes, because then right. you're like, then you're like, what the fuck, like what the fuck is going on? Yes, and I think that that is, if I remember correctly, uh, that is what leads to to the the kid at the at the table. Right. Yeah, you see have, the, the uh, footprints. Yeah, you see you see the footprints and everything all leading up to the door and whatnot, and then they come to the house. That's that's right. That's right. And then yeah, because you have, you have uh, uh, Funes calling Yano and saying that there's some shit going down at this house. Uh, it's my ex's house, and yeah, you need to investigate this. And again, like I said, I throw a lot of hatred through this movie, but I do like the practical uh, approach that Yano has, where he's like, well, obviously she's crazy, and she dug up this body and put it there. It's not moving. It's not doing anything. It's just there. We need to fucking bury this fucking kid, first of all. Like, you know, we need to fucking put him back in the ground. People are going to think she's crazy, uh, so let's get some bags of cement and let's do this fucking thing. And Funus goes, well, I swear that he moved. He's like, nah, he didn't. I just put the spoon underneath his nose. No breath. We're fine. But then the milk glass gets overturned. Like, okay. <laughs> Shit's going down. <laughs> you know? Well, the milk glass gets overturned when, when uh, Funes admits that he knows, uh, you know, his partner very well. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, the, yeah. and the kid obviously and gets upset and knocks over his glass. <laughs> but we don't see him. But it's, it's yeah. just yeah. Again, it's, it's the lead it. to the fact that the kid's alive. You know, he's come back from the grave to to obviously be at home again. Um, you know, and I I kind of wanted it to be that the mother was crazy and that she just dug up her kid because she couldn't deal with the loss of her son. And that's what it yeah, was. You know, I was kind of on that, I, thought, I thought that for a minute, but then I yeah. feel like, uh, given that we've already seen these, uh, you know, two instances of like legitimate supernatural stuff going on uh, with uh, Clara being smashed around the shower and yeah. uh, you know the creature in Walter's house, you know, for a minute I was thinking, oh, uh, the mom is going to go crazy, but I feel like human crazy because your kid got killed doesn't necessarily, if they're introducing another storyline here, that doesn't necessarily fit what we've seen already. Uh, be, being that the two things we've seen have been creature based or supernatural. So I was like, eh, maybe not, maybe human uh, deterioration uh, because of loss is, is not going to be a thing here. I, I, I just didn't well, think it fit. And that was the one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is the fact that you have uh the kid's friend going up to the sliding glass door because he's looking for his toys that he left behind. And he, he sees the kid's body sitting in the chair and then the kid's head starts to turn to his friend. So you get that kind of acknowledgement as the audience that the kid is still alive. Like he, he's dead, but he's alive. I didn't like that. I just didn't think that it was necessary to have that um, little moment of the kid seeing his friend and turning the head. I'm like, you know, I kind of wanted it to be ambiguous. Um, But also on the flip side, it's like that is where 
it's going to lead to a kink later because the investigators think they ha- have this squared away because they think no one saw the kid. They have plans. They're going to sit there, bury the little fucker. They're going to sit there and get two two bags of concrete. They're going to cover <laughs> cover the grave with, with concrete to make sure that this little kid can't get back out. You know, um, and they're like, and we can do this. It's fine. We're going to sit there and just throw them in the freezer outside. Uh, put a big ass pot of plant on to, just in case, so he can't get out. You know, and we're cool. No, no one has seen anything. We can just do this right. and get away with it. It's almost like they're, you know, planning a re-murder, if you will. You know, <laughs> um, yeah, they're cool because there's no yeah. witnesses. And you know, and this is where it comes in later. Of yes, there is a witness <laughs> because l- later the mother of the, the later <laughs> this mother of this child keeps trying to call the mom going, you know, my son left his backpack over there and I really need to talk to you because I saw your ex over there and he was doing something with your son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's those constant voice messages that Jono is revealing once he gets to the house. Once they, the group decides to go into each house, you have uh-huh. Rosentalk and Funes in one, you have Jono in the other, you have Alan Breck in the one, so Dr. they're all Rosenberg. kind of setting up poltergeist style to investigate the <laughs> I know, I was at Rosencock. That's what I kept saying the entire time. But you have the, the scene where Rosentock is in the kitchen and you see the all the utensils are hanging up, like kind of like a, a magnetic field. And they're all just kind of hanging there. I'm sorry, but if I'm Rosentock, I'm not going to be rubbing my hands against them all. Like, you know, over a long period of time because something's going to happen, and it does. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he gets his hand stabbed, and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. It's sucking. It's sucking the blood. And he gets to see the blood going in and sucked out of his hand. I'm sorry, but if I'm Rosentalk, I'm not dragging my hand against a knife. It's hanging there in a supernatural way. I'm just going to take some pictures and move on. Yeah, but on the flip side, it's like, okay, that being said, though, he's excited. He's an investigator. He's actually seeing solid, solid evidence, which he probably, you know, has, in all honesty, probably never seen on this level. Okay, and I if just, you want to take it back, and if you want to take it back, I could easily see, like, Ghostbusters, the way they acted when they were all excited about seeing a ghost, exact same way here, man. It's like, you know, they're seeing actual ghost activity. They want to get involved. You know, and they're excited to be able to do whatever they can to try and lure whatever it is out. If Rosentalk wasn't built up in such a way where they've talked about how he's had so much success, not only in Argentina, but in the U.S., with paranormal investigations, I might have believed that. But they're making him seem like he's the premier expert. Like, he's seen some shit, and he knows what's going on. So when he's rubbing his hands up against the knives and the spoons and he gets stabbed, I'm like, yeah, well, you're not that seasoned, are you? <laughs> because you should have seen that coming a mile away, that something was going to happen. I don't know, man. I still take it as he was just excited and lost in the moment, man. It's, you know, because no matter, you know, how experienced you are, we, we don't know how experienced, you know, it means when you're actually still actually seeing some major shit go down. I mean, impossible. I mean, what did you guys think about uh, Funes in these scenes? Because I was right with him. I was like, because I'm that guy. Like, this shit's not happening. Like, this is fucked up. Like, I, I need to leave. Like, I just, nope, nope. 
I just, you know, I, I've seen some shit, and I just need to go home. I need to watch a movie, and I need to go to bed. But, you know, I was right with that character. Um, what did you guys think about Funes when he's seeing this shit actually happen? <laughs> what do you think, Doc? I mean, kind of the same. Like, this guy, like, I don't feel that he's, like, the straight man, but I feel like he has, yeah. you know, he delivered on that kind of sense of, like, what is this fucking bullshit that's going on around me kind of vibe coming <laughs> off him. Yeah, he, yeah, he seems like I, that guy. Like, he's like the Winston Zedmore of the group. <laughs> and I was like, listen, man, like, I'll believe whatever you tell me, but this shit's not real. Like, it's, it's not really happening. And then when he starts, uh, once he starts seeing it happen, that's when he's like, oh, fuck. Like, it's, it's real. Like, you know? Um, the one thing I did, again, like I said, I'm not a fan of this movie, but I, what I did like was the aspect of Rosentalk showing Funes the chair in the kitchen. And he's saying that the world that we see isn't always the world that we perceive. And that it's not always the way that we look at it. And he shows him the chair, and then when he flips open the cover, you could see the feet of one of the ghouls. And then all of a sudden he looks underneath the table, and all of a sudden you could see all the ghouls climbing towards him. And he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. You know, I was like, all right. So I like that aspect of showing you that the ghost world is always around us. We just don't see it in a certain way. So to me, I was like, all right, I like that aspect. No, and this is what I was talking about with the H.P. Lovecraft, because this exact thing is covered in the story that I told you, all right, is that the dimensions are right there. You know, they're literally just, you know, a sliver away, and it all depends on the angle that you look at it and how you're able to get there. And and I thought this was an interesting spin on not, not just that story, but ghost stories in general, was, you know, they're there, and that's why, you know, sometimes you don't see the monster under the bed, but other times you think you do, and then when you go to check it back again, they're gone, and you really don't know what's going on, you know? And I thought it was an interesting right. spin, and they go more, but they go more into it later, you know, of depending on the angle that you look at it is how you can see them or not mm-hmm. see them, you know? Yeah, because we kind of lose Yano for a little while because Yano is seeing one of the ghosts in the window and he, like you know, just said, Monkey, he could see it at one point, but when he moved away, he couldn't see it another second. And that's when he gets attacked and it leads him being stuck into this weird kind of cabinet with his eyes poked out with glass. Yeah. And he's like, fuck, you need to save me. And, you know, of course, Funus is like, what the fuck, man? Like, I just wanted to fucking listen to some music and go home. Like, you know, like he's just so out of the situation. He didn't think it was going to get to where it went. And when he gets to, to you know, the, the one female doctor in the house, she's telling him, what you're seeing is not real. Like, what you're seeing is not real. Like, it's fine. We're going to make it out of here. Like, don't worry about it. And then she gets dragged away. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> oh, I loved that fucking scene, man. When she gets pulled into the into the crack, it was. <laughs> All right, but so, she, I mean... but, but she but she's looking in the crack because hey, guess what? She found Walter. <laughs> he, Which he, yeah, did you guys think that was weird that she found him? Like, is he a ghost now or is he human? Like, I I don't know. 
how to take Walter. Like, I don't know if he's oh, crossed well, over. I don't know if he's just scared. Like, I, I don't know. I, I took it as he was pulled in and in, into that pocket dimension by one of the monsters and stuck between the walls. You know, he, he mm-hmm. had dimension in there. You know, and again, that's where we start to have fun with this is, you know, where where does our reality end and their reality start? And, you know, what are the barriers if there are any barriers? You know, and mm-hmm. it starts to get really fun about making you question, you know, what is safe and what isn't safe? You know? Right. <laughs> uh, what did you think, Doc, about seeing Walter in that crack in the wall? Yeah, is he one of the ghouls now, or is he still kind of – he could be saved if they could bring him out? I mean, I'm unsure if he's one of the ghouls, and I'm also sure if <laughs> – ghouls. Uh, or uh, unsure <laughs> if, if he can be saved. Like, I feel that, uh, you know, his his desperation and need for help – as he was begging for, uh, versus him witnessing, like I was saying, like that witnessing that, that kid getting run over by the bus because it was him that chased the kid away, uh, that, you know, as I was saying of him becoming like a shut-in, like whether he was a ghoul or still human, he might be here like past the, past the point of being saved, like past the point of of coming back even to just be like a, 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 a functioning human being. Yeah. Because he, he's kind of like when Albrecht is trying to get him out, he's just kind of staying where he is. Like you could see his face, you know, he's looking at her, but he's not coming out and she's trying to coax him out, um, you know, but he's not coming. And that's when Albrecht gets sucked into the wall and, and finally Phoenix is like, fuck this shit. I'm out of here. Oh no, I'm having a heart attack by the way. <laughs> you know, I'm laying on the floor having a heart attack, um, you know, trying to deal with all this bullshit. And you have Alicia finally coming back and saying, you know, this is all your fault. Like, you know, like I blame you for kind of everything, you know, that happened. And he's like, no, 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 it's not my fault. I was trying to help you. I was trying to save you. But now you have to fucking save my ass because I'm having a heart attack. And she's like, all right, get in the car, bitch. Oh, by the way, my dead kid's in the back. You could push him over. It's fine. Slide <laughs> his ass over. <laughs> I know. It's fine. He's like, oh, no. Um, the funniest moment in this movie I had was when Funus is in, the, in his own car trying to drive away. And you have, I'm guessing it's Albrecht and her spirit coming out of the house with her head just kind of cocked to one side. Oh, man. Oh, my God. You have to save us. We're being tortured. Funus, save us. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm sorry, but I had a laugh moment at that. I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> her spirit's coming out of the house, you know, with her hair flopping around everywhere, going, save us. We're being tortured. Yeah, fuck you. I'm out. Better go smoke <laughs> cigarettes somewhere. <laughs> no, but, again, I enjoyed all of this just because, you know, just – fun horror in this weird-ass way. You know, we don't know why the fuck any of this is happening, and this this is why I in, probably enjoyed this movie, is because unlike most American movies, when we watch horror movies, you know, we're going to get some kind of, you know, plot drop thing going on where they're going to sit there and give us a backstory and tell us exactly why this is happening. Yeah, they're going to beat us over the know, head with it. You yeah, know, yeah. And make sure yeah. that even the fucking dummies out there know what's going on, and 
that necessarily yeah, was, yeah. that wasn't and, necessarily the case here, which made it a little bit more interesting. Uh huh. And that's why I enjoyed it is because bad shit doesn't need a reason to happen. You know, it can just happen. You know, and yeah. that's why I enjoy, enjoyed it is because no one did anything to deserve any of this, as far as we know. Right. But but everyone is getting fucked up for no reason whatsoever. And you know, yeah, there doesn't need to be a reason why. It's just a story, it's a horror story that's telling you some fucked up shit going down on this street, and hear the stories about what's going down. That's it. Yeah, and that's why I kind of felt bad for Alicia, uh, you know, the mother of the son, because when after the uh, Funes leaves, and he gets the call from his, you know, his lieutenant, his subordinate, he's like, "Just get out of there, man. Just get out. Like, you don't want to be there. It's fucked up. Like, it's leaves." And he decides to go back, and he finds Alicia has hung herself. I kind of felt bad for her because, you know, she had been through so much, and her final way out was to kill herself. So I kind of felt bad for that character because she, you know, didn't need to go out that way. But at the same time, like, she felt like she had no exit other than to kill herself. But on the flip side, did she kill herself, or did the ghouls do that to her? I think she killed herself. Personally, I mean, my opinion is that she killed herself. I, I mean, I don't know what you think, Doc, but I think that she killed herself. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was the ghoul that did it. I think she just had enough. She wanted out. Obviously, a few nurses wasn't going to help her, and she was done, and she killed herself. Um, okay. You know, so when Fiona shows up to light the house on fire... And he's just soaking everything. Like, I'm sorry, but he's soaking everything in kerosene. He gets everything on his jacket. And I'm like, obviously, there's going to be something happening with his jacket. He's getting a lot of kerosene on his like clothes. But it's him coming outside of the house to light the house on fire. And you have uh, Yano coming back as a ghoul to blow out the match. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> you know? Obviously, Yano doesn't want this to happen because now he's crossed over and now he's working with the ghouls to prevent you from <laughs> destroying these houses. But mm-hmm. he does. I mean, he lights it on fire, but then you don't really get a finality with Funus. You kind of get no. the, the weird kind of... We get the follow-up with Juan where they, okay, another on. round hold of on. people are coming to speak to Juan. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But real quick, before we get to that, is what I, what threw me off about this part was how come he didn't set fire to all three houses? He they said, said he, did. he knew. I thought he said he only burned down the one house. No, they said he set fire to all the houses. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. As you were, King. I, I That's what that I was getting to. Yeah. Okay. When they speak to Juan again in, in lockup. They say that Funa sent house, uh, house fires to all of them. Like, he lit them all up. He didn't just lit the first one up and just left. He set them all on fire. Okay. So it wasn't just that one. Like, he, he wanted to destroy everything in this neighborhood, like, mm. all these houses that were infected. And then he just disappeared. Like, he just left. Like, he just, they can't find him. They don't know where he is. He just left. You know, they don't know what he did. They don't know why he did it. And Juan doesn't really remember a lot of it because he blends it into drugs. 
that he was on. He's like, yep, nope, I, I kind of remember that guy. Like, you know, I remember a lot of drugs. <laughs> and that's what I kind of like, too, is that the fact that he was drugged up when he was talking to these people. And this poor fucking guy, like, he's locked up. I don't know for how long, maybe for the rest of his life, but yet they keep coming back to him, asking him about what happened. So, again, I don't know why Juan is locked up for the rest of his life for Clara's disappearance, for what happened in the neighborhood, but he's like the connecting thread to everything. Yeah, because he's the witness. And earlier he was saying she's gone, not not disappeared. She was, he said she's gone. And they also showed, you know, they had said, I want you to, at the beginning of the movie, said, I want you to look at these pictures. And he said, no, I already saw the yeah. pictures of Claire. You know, so mm-hmm. they had pictures of Claire and her body. Okay? So the body didn't disappear. Because that's how all this got started was they said, these aren't pictures of Claire. These are pictures of another woman that had a case just like Claire's. One, one investigator so the, said that she disappeared. He said, we're looking into the disappearance of Clara. All right, then I'm totally missing that shit then. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So one investigator, the new round of investigators to come around, say that we're investigating the disappearance of Clara, you know, and, and what happened on this block. And he can't remember because of all the drugs he's been under yeah. since he got locked up. So, again, that's why I said it's not like they're saying he murdered her. They're not saying he butchered her, and they're like, you're under arrest. They got him locked up because they can't figure out what the fuck happened. And that's why I don't know if it's the Argentinian translation. I don't know if that's the way they wanted it to be. But, again, I I thought it was lacking. Like, I thought if they had a body, if they could say he murdered her, they can keep him locked up. It just it wasn't translated very well. Don't know, but at the same time, it's like you know. I like how the, I, I I you know like the idea though of the first group failed, and now another group is coming in. So you know of paranormal investigators possibly, and are is there are they going to is it the story going to continue with more people getting messed up trying to look for these ghouls? Okay, so that's what I wanted to ask uh, Doc first of all. The second round of people that come in, did you think that they were paranormal investigators or they were just cops? Because I just thought they were just cops. Like, I didn't think that they were paranormal investigators of any sort. Yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really feel, I I don't think I thought that they were paranormal investigators. I thought, I I thought maybe they were some type of investigator, but you know, not paranormal, but maybe also not cops. Like they were like cops level two, like, all right, like weird shit happens. And now we get called in, but maybe it's not because it's paranormal. I, I don't know. I got, I thought that was like a, like a weird, like vibe, yeah. if you will. It was, it was a weird vibe. Also because you never find out what happened to Rosentalk. Because in the movie, the last time that you see Rosentalk, he's has the camera going and you see something enter the room that he's in, but you never see him again. And that's what I was telling the monkey earlier, is when Funa sets fire to the one house, Rosenstock was in another house. And 
the next time you see Juan, he's saying, who's that guy that you brought in with you? And they're like, I, I don't see anybody. You know, who's here? And he's like, well, he's all burnt up. And he's like, well, who do you mean? You know, so Rosenthal got set on fire in one of those houses. Like, he was, he was killed. <laughs> and then we get one last jump scare. A Rosenthal running to the camera. Ah! <laughs> you don't, though. You get the, the chair moving, and they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, that's, that's fucking crazy. And he's like, yeah, he's right there. Uh, I think you see him. And then you get the chair being thrown at the camera as a smash cut <laughs> to the credits. So I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, uh, yeah, well, that's the end of the movie. And Damien Rugna, or however you pronounce his name, wants to make a sequel to uh, this movie. That More power to him, but I could deal with a lot less. Like, we have this movie. That's mm. fine. <laughs> now, with, uh, with Del Toro doing a translation of this, would you watch the translation well, to see if maybe they switched the movie around? Real quick. I would. Real quick, real quick. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is producing. Uh, this American version is going to be directed by the same director as this version. Oh, oh boy. Oh, okay. Very okay. similar to, like, like Funny Games. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. Uh, was a French movie and then was remade for the United States with the same director. So it's going to be the same director. Well... I wonder, like the uh, monkey had said, if they're going to lose something in translation, making it into an American film um, compared to the Argentinian film that we get with this movie. Because um, I don't want more of an explanation, and I feel like that's what we're going to get with the American version. I feel like they're going to have to explain a lot more. Like they're going to have yeah, to be like, yeah. Do. For American audiences, we're going to have to explain a lot more. It's like, you don't need to. It's fine the way they explain it. It's just I couldn't get behind it. I was like, I've seen a lot of ghost stories that I love, and this isn't one of them. Was it because you wanted an explanation, or was there something else that was missing? Yeah, I just didn't feel like there was enough. Like, I felt like it was a weird kind of Argentinian version of Poltergeist, where it's like, we're going to investigate these houses, and we're going to find something. And, yeah, we find it, but it's, you know, it's okay. It's, it, it's weird kind of ghosts that live on the ground and they come up and stuff happens. Like, you know, I just, you know, I, I think about Poltergeist when I watch this movie with the investigators, how they're so steadfast in their understanding that ghosts exist and this is why they exist and this is why they're there. And, it's, you know, I felt like this movie kind of fell by the wayside in a lot of ways where it just felt convoluted by the end. Uh, it did, but it didn't, because it seemed... Uh, seriously, man, I just had a great time watching this movie. And I, I I found it refreshing, especially compared to, you know, all of the big-budget movies that we've been having to watch lately, you know, for for yeah, the show. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the ones that unfortunately have huge callings out there. And I, find, I found this way more entertaining than any of those movies that have been coming out lately. Um, and I will say that that's the, that's the one thing I didn't bring up um, in this discussion is that I had seen towards the end of 2018 a lot of uh, the horror groups I follow on Facebook posting pictures of the poster of Adorados that I put on our Facebook page when we announced this episode. 
and a lot of people are saying this is a great film. It's scary. It's a good ghost story. You know, if you're looking for a good time, you know, this is a fun one. It's on Shutter. Um, I just, I, I wasn't one of them. I wasn't one of those people that agreed. I mean, I've seen other ghost stories that are really well done, uh, like The Changeling, a ghost story. I mean, even the original Amityville Horror. Like, I go back to that one. I'm like, that's still a good movie. Like, it's still fun. Like, it still has its own kind of uh, wayside of it. Um, you know, this movie just kind of didn't click. And that's okay. You know, I mean, I'm glad I watched it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Because I love adding more movies to my catalog that I've seen. But it's just not a movie that I would ever want to revisit. <laughs> you know, at any time. Like, I'm glad it's done. Like, I'm glad I added it. It's done. But it's not one of those movies that I would ever be like, you know what? I'm bored. I'm going to put on Terrified. Nope. <laughs> well, speaking of movies that you do want to revisit, King, I believe that next week is your pick, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, no, you are correct. Um, so it is my pick for next week. Um, so I decided, you know what, we've been doing a lot of modern films recently. Uh, I know that the ghoul has a good one, uh, for after my pick, but I want to take us back to 1973, the funky, you dig it, brother, brother, era of films. (laughs) And I want to talk about Scream, Blackula Scream. That is my pick for next week. (laughs) Um, the reason I picked it, and I want to talk to you guys about that real quick, um, is because February not only is Valentine's Day for everybody and all you have lovers out there, but it's also Black History Month. And I'm a huge fan of black cinema. And the Blackula series is a huge, you know, high point for me of 70s black culture cinema. So I decided to go with Scream, Blackula, Scream, because I like Blackula, but I like the sequel better. Uh, it's got Pam Greer, Craig T. Nelson, actually, one of his yeah, it's got earlier films. He, he's in it. Uh, William Marshall is fantastic as Blackula, uh, Prince Mamawalde. So I do have a link to share with you guys. But, yeah, next week we'll be going into the world of 1973 and talking Scream, Blackula, Scream. Can you dig it, sucker? <laughs> Can you dig it, baby? I'm excited. Don't want to talk about no jab turkeys on this show. Oh, so the pain, I will the post the link as soon as I can after the show's over. We're really but having fun now. But it is available out. for free on YouTube. So no purchase necessary for this movie. Cool, man. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> so. Doc, once again, thank you so much for your pick tonight of Terrified, a.k.a. Acerados. Uh I'm hoping that next week you could join us to talk about Scream, Blackula Scream. I believe my schedule is clear. And I'm hoping Sweet. that you enjoy the film. I think I've seen it before. I'm not positive. Uh, but I guess when I see it, I'll know. Yeah, I, I actually watched the copy that I'm going to send you guys uh, from YouTube, and it's a great quality uh, copy, uh, so we'll definitely check that out. I think it, uh, William Marshall as Blackula is a great high point for, for black cinema back in the 70s, so I'm really looking forward to talking about that. Uh, so we'll get into it. We'll get into some vampire culture uh, next week. Looking forward to it, taking it back to the 70s. 
All right, so it is All just right. you and me now, monkey. So why don't you go ahead and do your send off? All right, this is your seductive, sexy, satanic, 70 simian saying, thanks for listening to our broadcast on this cold, wintry night. Let me snuggle up close to you and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Love it as always. And now the ghoul is not here. I know he's missing the plug. Uh, so next week, hopefully, we'll be able to get that plug in. Um, as always, I'm your old pal, the King Har Andy G., telling you to keep America strong, watch horror movies, and y'all jive turkeys, watch out. I hope you can dig my pick next week. You dig it? I dig it. Scream, Blackie was Scream, 1973. We'll see you next time. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll catch you on the flip.